face should never be bare We just want some facial hair We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for beer Man, what's up, guys? Um, it is a beautiful, rainy, cloudy Tuesday morning here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And this is Behind the Beards. Here on Behind the Beards, we will pull the curtain back, take a look behind the scenes, and do our best to reveal the things that you need to know about your ministers and your ministry leaders and those people who are called to lead your church. I am Josh Fallon, a preaching minister in Baton Rouge. And my man, my partner, my compadre, Aaron Partlow, is a youth minister, Longview, Texas. Finally, you have become a Texan. I Texican. live in Texas. <laughs> I don't know that I will ever become a Texan, but I definitely live here. You definitely live there. That's right. Um, man, we got a we got some really cool things coming up as we've been talking over the last few days. That uh, we do. We got some. We got some. What is it called? Uh, something in the fire. Something in the oven. Yeah, Not buns in the oven. We, irons we in the fire. We got some fire. irons in the fire. Uh, let's just make this clear right now. There are no buns in the oven. <laughs> no one is pregnant on Behind the Beards. That is a... Uh, man, I don't want to say especially true for me, but you know, <laughs> my my youngest child graduates next year. I cannot imagine starting fresh at this point in my life. But One more time. One more I, uh, time. I will not tempt God's sense of humor by saying I would never... Um, you know, because that's when he likes to show up and say, oh, yeah, let me show you something. But um, you Very thought, cool. Stuff. You thought Abraham was old. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That is right. No, but I'm really looking forward to what we have coming up, and I'm not sure if we're going to start this um, in the next week or two or three. We want to do uh, it right. We want to do it right. That's our major That's our major concern about it. So. Yeah, but re- really taking a look at um, – you know, depression, not just how it affects ministers, but how it affects us all um, in the way that that affects our pursuits spiritually. Right. Um, and, you know, when, when Revelation talks about, you know, abandoning that first love, um, I think uh, I think the pandemic has revealed a lot about a lot of people in a lot of places. And maybe, um, at least in my own life, it has exposed some... Uh, some very some very real cracks some flaws some chinks mm. in my psyche that uh i'm looking forward to exploring a little deeper and uh, we'll have some guests come on that are a little have a greater expertise than you yes. and i who can really help us talk through some of those things and how we can deal with them and look at some resources that may be available to to navigate these waters ahead because right i think we're going to be looking at a lot of uh really some ptsd kind of kind of effects as things return to normal and people's minds and spirits begin to relax from the pressure and tension they felt over the last year mm-hmm. and i think a lot of those things will be exposed and uh, we need to be prepared to uh deal with them and direct them so you know and talking about those kind of things like this post-covid season and, and moving towards that and how things start to look and everything today we are talking about this idea of you know, how do you navigate periods of transition? And what reminds me of that is like that idea of, um, <clears throat> you guys might not know this, but a lot of ministers have taken on a lot of extra outside duties 
uh, to kind of navigate through uh, what COVID looked like. You know, maybe your minister has become your, you know, tech guy or sets up your live stream and does and does all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's really like not within his realm of like doing ministry, but more, um, you know, and, and we can go in and out on that. But I guess what I'm trying to say is at some point we have to involve other people. At some point we have to reach out. Sometimes we need to find people who have a passion or really it's not even a passion, but who are able and willing to do something like that. And so as ministers learn to adjust to kind of take some stuff off their plate, uh, allow other people to jump in and continue to do that. That's like this transition, this transition period. And so uh, this morning we wanted to talk about like, how do you prepare and how do you get ready? And what are we doing to prepare for transitions and transition periods? You're asking me? I thought I was supposed to no, ask you. No, I was, that was just a blatant oh. statement oh, so okay. that you could Phew. Jump on in there. No, that's that's good because I really thought you were asking me that question. I was like, I was counting on this next forty-five minutes to really explore that question. Because uh, yes, no, 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 no. That's not what I was saying. Like, um, like that's what we're talking about this morning. So maybe you can you can take a couple seconds to tell everybody a little bit more about that I, uh, about transition I periods and and stuff. Yeah, we we have them all right, and it's it's natural. I think about mm. it right now as. Uh, my daughter is getting ready to. That's um, right. Take off. She she graduates on Friday, mm -hmm. and um, you know it is it is bittersweet, and I like to focus on the sweet so that the bitter doesn't become really a reality, right? <laughs> so that I don't become bitter and angry. Um, and you know I give my kids a hard time, and I, I tell them all the time. It's like, look, like Jody, when are you moving out? Right. She moves into OC on the on July thirty first, August third. As soon as we get home, her room is becoming a home gym. Ooh. Um, that's not the case, but I like to kind of tell her that over and over again. It's uh, nice to dream. It is nice to dream, uh, and, and mainly that's you know part of it is this is what you raise your kids for, right? I mean, you raise them to take that next step, and she's ready. You know, she is an independent girl. A young woman, she's responsible, she makes good choices, and she is ready to, to be on her own in some fashion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's what we that's what we hope for. That's what we spend 18 years preparing them for. But then it gets to that point, and, you, and it's kind of like, wow, I don't really want to see one of my little birdies right, flying yeah. the nest, you know? I kind of <laughs> like having you around. I, I kind of like having family. And, you know, that's been a... a especially real for us you know we put dustin on a plane january 1st of 2019 and when did he tell you that he wanted to go into the marines like wasn't <laughs> it like three months ahead of that so you really didn't have like that prep time yeah so it was in uh, like october of his senior year was the first time in his life he ever mentioned anything about That's being right. in the military i think i remember that because i i remember you calling me and i was like wait what yeah, right <laughs> wait which child is this i'm a little confused yeah and so you know we focus on you know i focus on this it's like hey i'm going to be an empty nest at 45 years old i'm going to have a whole life ahead of me to live out my dreams so you children get out of my house get out of my way and i can come visit you whenever i'm ready um and that's partially true because like two i said weeks, this, this two is weeks what we later for, right? josh is ready <laughs> Uh, but at the same time, there is um, 
you, you mourn kind of that passing of uh, the naivety, the innocence of, of childhood as they move on to their own. Um, and so it really is such a mixture of emotion. I don't know if you know this or not, but when you have children that are old enough to graduate, that means you're getting older as well. True. Um, you know, and this uh, this gray stuff in my beard probably would be on my head if I had hair on my head. Um, I don't lose weight or get back in shape as quickly as I used to. Um, and so these these transitional periods really bring you to all kinds of different points of of engagement with the mind and the spirit. So it comes. That's kind of where it comes in in my life is with my daughter. And then we've just sent some kids off in our youth group, you know. You just had Senior Sunday. Just had Senior Sunday. You know, Senior Sunday, Senior Transitions are, are kind of, um, they are an interesting and a hard transition because, um, you know, you have some seniors who are here all summer. You have some seniors who, like my parents, when I transitioned my senior year, I was going to OC. But I went and worked at a church camp that was about an hour and a half away. Um, so I would leave on, you know, Sunday evening uh, after church and I would go and I would be out there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night. I would leave Friday night, drive all the way back to Oregon City. So really, I only saw my parents Friday night, Saturday, Sunday morning, and then I would leave. <clears throat> to go back out. So that was my senior summer with my mom and dad. So they they were already like had to be in this transition period where I graduated and I was like I was gone. You know, I was gone already and so it was uh you know, that's kind of interesting for some of those senior parents and for some of those uh and especially if it's their first time. Now I was their third. So like the door was already open for me to leave. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Um, you know, I'm, I'm kidding. My parents loved me and they were sad when I left. Actually, my mom's told me, I told her, I said, are you gonna be okay if I go to college in another state? And she said, Aaron, I don't know what it was, but there was something about you that I just knew and God had been preparing my heart for a long time that you were going to leave. Like that you were, you were going to leave. You were going to be my child who traveled and left and, and, and went away. And that was, it was two things. One, it was freeing to me. And then two, it was, it's pretty amazing that she said that and felt that way because yeah, I went to Oklahoma Christian and yeah, I did youth ministry in Washington for two years. Uh, but that was still three hours away from home. And then, you know, we were in Kansas for seven and a half years and now we're down here, uh, in Longview, Texas. I mean, I couldn't be further away from home unless I went to Florida, you know, um, <laughs> don't go to Florida. And I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> uh, but I mean, so it's just, you know, that's, that's the crazy, crazy ideas, crazy thoughts there. Um, so yeah, I feel uh, transitions are, are interesting. And so my point was not to talk about me, but my point was when you transition seniors out of your youth group, you can actually like lose this crazy feeling in your youth group, right? You graduate mm -hmm. these older, these mature kids. Sometimes you graduate all of your really good singers and you went from having this <laughs> awesome youth group who can sing harmony and you're like oh praises be to the king of kings and then 
you get to the point where you're like, no, we ain't singing no song with a four part, and we ain't singing <laughs> no right. song with an echo because you all don't echo, you know. Um, uh, you know, it's it's amazing how fast that can shift and how fast that can change. And you find yourself in this position where you're hungry and you want to sing as a youth group, but nobody, nobody's been trained, nobody's been led in that way to to carry or sing or lead in those parts, and so. You find yourself, like right now at Longview, my kids, they are starting to open up their shell. We've been doing Wednesday nights where we come in, we sing for 30 minutes, and then I do a devotional, and then I send them on their way, kind of a thing. Just an uplift, kind of an easy night. And the first night we did it, it was like, all right, this is Aaron's going to sing a solo. Uh, for 30 minutes and uh, and it's pretty it's pretty like bleak um, and I asked them I said do you all like singing they said oh we love it we just haven't done it for like two and a half years you know so they don't know what their own voice what their own sound of their youth group is so now hey, I'm and, and in the youth group in two and a half years voices change that's an eternity kids go from some tenor to bass in a hurry oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's just wild. And, and so anyway, so so now we're transitioning back into that. Now it's been like six weeks, and uh, we're at a point now where, you know, they're starting to sing out a little bit. Um, but there's a lot of songs that they don't know. <laughs> so I am I get up there, and I, I lead a song, and I'm like, do you guys know this? And they're like, no. And that's one of the nice things about keeping it informal is you're able to uh, – um, you're you're also able to to um, just stop and say, well, let's learn this. So it's right. it's interesting when we find ourselves in those places where we haven't prepared for transition. So um, yeah, what do you what do you think about that? Um, I think it is um, you see it um, particularly with you know young people because there is a natural period of transition that mm. is both expected and predictable so when you come through here and you know your seniors get to a point you see it coming uh, but it always comes on us so quickly even when we know it's coming um, and frequently it is bless you may the devil never get you um, thank you for muting your mic for that sneeze I got it um, and if we had been on Instagram Live, that would have just blown all of our Instagram viewers. I would have had water, to be like, so. huh, 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 huh. <laughs> um, but there is there is a void that's left to fill, right? And and even if your seniors aren't super strong leaders, even if they aren't necessarily spiritually mature or the kind of leaders you wanted them to be because of their age and because of their presence and because of the expectation we have in our culture um there is a void there and that 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 will be filled right yeah. right and, and our objective as leaders is to fill that void with something that that will be spiritually strengthening that will allow our group as a whole to mature right yeah and and ultimately and you know we'll talk about this as we kind of close up today later is you know, how, how do we, or how should we be preparing people down the road to, to step into these places once, once they open to fill these voids, leading, 
leaders, preparing and training um, leaders, because there is to be filled. I think about those last summers. Um, I think about those last moments with, uh, you know, with, with, with my son, my oldest, before he graduated and before right. he went to the Marine Corps. And uh, all of a sudden it got very, very real that the amount of time that I had to impart wisdom into his life mm-hmm. got really, really brief all of a sudden. Um, you know, you've had 18 years to pour into this channel. It's like, um, I only have like 10 to 12 weekends left before he goes on to whatever it's going to be. Um, and it kind of gets that way with those people that are getting ready to go on to college. It's like, have I done enough to prepare them for what's next to fulfill my obligation to them as a spiritual leader and mentor? Um, and so, you know, that, that responsibility becomes really heavy. Sure. Uh, we're looking right now at a family uh, at our church that, you know, has been one of those families that you don't even realize how instrumental they have been into the things that go on in the church here. Right. Uh, he is one of the deepest and most profound thinkers I've ever come across in my life. Whoa. And when he sits forward and begins to ask a question in one of my classes, I get nervous <laughs> because it's like uh, he's going to make me think and he's going to make me think on the spot. And so I have to really be prepared to say that is a great question and I'm going to have to take a week to mull this over and I'll bring you an answer next week. Right. Yeah. Because he's going to challenge me with it. Mm-hmm. Um, his wife is one of those people who is just so observant. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were getting ready to hire a new secretary, she came to me with four pages, front and back, handwritten. Said, this is what you're going to want to teach the new secretary. She doesn't work in the office. She's never worked in the office. Right. She did some things in her Mother's Day out for a while. But because she is so in tune to what's going on, you know, I was like, yeah, I, I know what I need my secretary to do. And I started reading her list, and I was like, ooh, I didn't think about that. It's like, ooh, I right, didn't think about right, that either. Right. It was like, there's like three pages here I didn't think about. This is gold. I'm going to frame it. I'm going to hang it up. Um, and and they're moving um, to to Ohio to, to to take care of some of her family's property. Uh, the, the pandemic has provided him an opportunity to continue to do his job remotely. Um, and they're going to go take care of some of their family uh, obligations there. And that's but cool. losing Good losing that family, yeah, it's it's awesome for them. Um, but losing that family is going to create a void mm-hmm. that needs to be filled. And I'm looking at this, going, how are we going to fill that void that they are leaving behind? You know, because we have not done a very good job of setting up people to take those reins mm-hmm. once that's left. So. Um, we have to be in that business too. I remember uh, in Kansas, we had um, we had uh, one of our deacons of technology. Like he was, he he he's at a stage of his life where he wants to travel more. He wants to to be able to do some of that stuff, uh, but he was tied down because he had never trained anybody to you know work the PowerPoint or all this kind of stuff. Uh, and it was like, no, you, like you can't. Like we don't have anyone else to do this, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And so. Like when we're really thinking about that, I guess like there's this deeper, this this deeper idea that I think about, 
is, um, and it's probably because we're studying that book, we're reading through that book, uh, D2 by Phil McKinney, about creating more disciples. Right. And in our faith, one, we should be creating more disciples in our faith. Um, and I guess when I really think about ministry, <clears throat> this is something I didn't want to talk about, but we're going to anyway. Like, <laughs> I I have to, I have a deep fear of, like, not being needed. Like, um, like I, I do. Like, I, I, we are supposed to train and teach other people to do what we do. Like, that's, that's, that's all there is to it. Like, I, I need to pour into other people so that they can continue and do my work if I'm not there. Uh, kind of an idea, you know, um. That, that's what I think when you look at successful ministers, successful elders, successful deacons, <clears throat> that's what they do. They inspire and they teach other people to do what they do. Um, you know, they pass that torch, not necessarily so that you can, um, you know, get out of doing whatever you want to do, but because when it comes time to transition, or hey, you're at a point where you're like, we need to install some some more elders, some new elders. You don't go, man. We got like two or three people who could actually do it. You end up looking around the room and you go, the pool is so large to choose from, because you already have so many people who are shepherding. You already have people who are serving in those areas that getting a title, right? Mm-hmm is not adding much to their lives. You know, I, I think what makes a great new shepherd is somebody who is actually already shepherding, <laughs> you know, right. not like, right. Hey, teach me how to shepherd, but Hey, I'm already shepherding a group of people and we recognize that. So we would like for you to be one of our shepherds, shepherds. Or one of our elders, <laughs> you know, and, and as a youth minister, um, you know, I need to be pouring into young adults and to parents and even teenagers, right? Um, a big part of my job, I, I always remember people are like, we want a youth led worship service, you know? Um, well, part of my job is inspiring teenagers to kind of take up that mantle and to be able to do that kind of stuff. That's really powerful. And that's, that's really good for them. You know, that's what inspired me to be a youth minister was my youth minister sat down and was like, Hey, would you mind leading three or four songs at, uh, the Devo tonight? And so I would go sure i could do that and that was just was something that i kind of stepped up into um right. and so when we're talking about these transition moments we have to make sure that we're doing that it is and that's what makes like church leadership hard and difficult is because it's really easy just to like do it myself it's really easy just to keep doing it the same old way but when you start inviting other people to learn how to do it or help do things or know how to do things, what do they bring with them? Their yeah, ideas. It, their ideas <laughs> and if right? they bring their ideas, then there could be change and there could be, you know, a different way to do it. You know, I think about like the people who invented, yo, know, that like plastic funnel thing for communion <laughs> and you go <laughs> and somebody was like, that's not the way we've always done it, you know, or, or something. And they're like, yeah, but this way is way faster. Look at me go. You know, I don't know. Um, that's a dumb example, but I, you know, something like that. Sometimes it could be like crazy changeful or powerful, but I think it also prepares people for, 
I think we need to have less impact in our church when somebody transitions out because we've already been focused on uh, everyone being a part of the system, the program, the church. <laughs> yeah, and there are some there are some real challenges to that though. And yeah. the first challenge is that's a lot of work. Oh yeah. I mean that oh, is yeah. a lot of work. Um and it requires me to particularly as a minister. Um but if I'm thinking about the long-term future of the church, particularly in the churches in the United States, you're already seeing this in, in churches worldwide. Mm-hmm. The the nature of Christianity is is such, and the nature of the world is such that I don't think we're too far removed from churches really having to be taught and led by vocational ministers. Mm. Um, that I, I see not an not an end, but a decline in professional ministry. Yeah, um, and you know, if it, it's kind of scary to think about, you know, kind of working my way out of a of a vocation. Um, but you know, if the church is acting the way Christ designed the church to act, then the people are the ones who are doing the work, right? And it can become so easy when you have someone in a position like a minister who does the visitation. Someone needs to visit in the hospital. Well, the church kind of just says, well, we have a minister who does that. Mm -hmm. And I'll get up there if I can. If you don't have someone in that position, then the onus comes on to the church as a whole to respond to the people. And that's when the church is really powerful. It's when the church as a whole is ministering to its own people. That's when the church becomes a witness and a testimony to the world that says, look, we show up for one another. And who are all these people in the in the waiting room of the hospital? Oh, they're for the lady in room 223 who's getting ready to have surgery. They came to pray for her. This is her family, her church family. Right. You yeah. know, and it's it's not this is my minister or my pastor or my priest. Like, these are my people. And they're all here my because people. they all showed up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's the kind of, of training and preparation that we should be doing. And that's true whether we're talking whether we're talking about a church as a whole. And ultimately, it's true even in our secular jobs as well, mm -hmm. that if we are in charge of people, we are doing our company, our church, our community a disservice if we aren't preparing the next guy up. Yeah. And that um, starts as young as teenagers yeah. or young adults. Um, you know, I think uh, uh, sometimes every once in a while I'll hear someone say, well, the, we, the young people just aren't as involved as they should be uh, or... You know, we just don't have involvement. And sometimes, like, when I hear that, I think, like, well, what are you wanting them to be involved with? Have you told them? Have you let them know? Have you given them that freedom to do that? Um, have we have we really been training people, you know, to do that? You know, uh, and, and that's that's what we need to do. Like, that's, that's what get people plugged in. That's what people, you know, uh, do. I, I think of... Um, it almost makes me think of like the idea, like if you have a deacon over, I'm going to really hammer this one because this one's on my mind. So if you have a deacon over technology, right, who, who does your, who does your streaming and stuff like that, should they actually do your streaming or should they be the deacon over technology that finds people to do, you know, the, the technology? 
Mm-hmm. I think the one person, I think the one deacon role um, who most ministers are most frustrated at, but they probably do their job the best as far as getting other people involved, is the deacon over security. <laughs> right? Like, the he, everyone, everyone right now just went, oh, yeah. Like, the deacon of security is so good at recruiting other guys, other people to be on the security team uh, and do that and train other people to do what he does. Now we're most frustrated because they pull people out of the worship service or they're in the back chit-chatting and talking and all that kind of stuff. They're also really good at turning off lights and locking doors. That's right. You know, (laughs) yeah. You locked me out. Like all my keys and stuff are in my office and now the doors are locked because I walked somebody out to (laughs) there. But it's amazing how much like we could actually learn from that guy, that that deacon of security, because he's doing something that the rest of us need to be doing, which is recruiting and talking and, and making sure that people know our job and what we're doing and stuff like that. Uh, story time. I uh, I always have this deep-seated fear of like not being needed like as a youth minister, right? And so, right. Um, you know, I want to go on vacation and people be nervous that I go on vacation because they're like, well, I just, uh, hopefully I can do what you do on Wednesday nights. And I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, I hope that you have a okay class. Uh, and that when I get back, people are like, oh, finally, Aaron's back. That is the wrong attitude. Uh, that is the wrong mindset. I need to be able to go on vacation and have no worry and, and everything should go just as good um, and all the details and everything should be fine because uh, like Terry Kitson, pulpit minister, now at Mansfield Church of Christ, uh, was a mentor of mine in Kansas. He used to say, Aaron, you should have a retreat so planned that if last minute you got hit by a car, <laughs> you could you could send all your notes with somebody and they could run the whole retreat uh, without you. Like you should have be so prepared that your retreat could be ran completely without you. Um, I don't know that I'll ever be at that place, right? But he made a really good point. Like. I should be able to like leave on vacation and still like my job is having all that prepped training other people to be prepped and ready to do that. That's how you mentor. That's how you move on in that kind of stuff. It's not to be the guy who does everything yourself, but to kind of help prep and prepare other people. And it is, it's really easy for us to fall into that line. So how do we get to that place? How do we change our mindset, change ourselves? to reaching out and teaching how do we become more like the deacon of security uh and reach out and teach others to do what we do well i guess that's a question we can answer another time uh (laughs) because i don't have an answer and it's time to go no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding don't leave yet don't leave no um ultimately i think it comes with a realization of of who the body of christ is and what we are to be as the church Um, as ministers, um, I have people who remind me regularly, it's not about you, right? Um, it's not about you and you can go do this. And is it going to be the same? No, it's not going to be the same, but it's going to be just fine. You know why? It's not about you. It's not about you. Um, we're glad you're here. You're doing a great work here. Your job is secure. We're going to love you when you come, um, but people need to hear a word from these other 
people at times. And, and that's one of the things I'm really trying to impress on uh, many of the people around is the church needs to hear a voice that's not mine. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a guy that fills in for me. And, you know, Especially he's got with a, song leading. <laughs> he's, he's, you know, he's got a much different style than me. He's got a different background. He's got a different experience. And he always says, I don't know, man. And I said, listen, the church needs to hear you. Yeah. They need to hear your voice. They need to hear your perspective. I tell that to my elders all the time. Like, I know that you aren't all comfortable in, in the public speaking role, but the church needs to hear you. That's very true for um, a lot of elders. Well, I have a lot of, I, I have seen a lot of silent elders. Um, and I think, I, I don't think, that, it doesn't mean that they necessarily need to preach, but they, and it doesn't mean that they need to get up and make announcements. Like, uh, that's good for you to do, but, but that's not making your voice heard. They want, they need to hear your heart and they need right. to hear your, um, your thoughts, especially biblical thoughts. So teaching class and other things like that, uh, I think is, is crucial for, for a shepherd. Um, I think, but you don't have, but to fill that void with, well, we're going to make sure our voice is heard by having a different elder rotate, um, to do announcements. Why don't we find one of the elders who's super good at giving announcements and we'll just use that one, but let's all rotate for teaching class or co-teaching a class with somebody, because that's where I think people really need to hear your voice. Yeah. Or around the table, you know, the communion meditation or definitely around the communion. I love when elders give the communion talk yeah. I don't know if it's just me, but like, I love when our shepherds give up and give the communion talk. I wish that was a tra tradition in the churches of Christ. Like, like that was our thing. Like, hey, if when right. you become a shepherd, you're in charge of the communion talk. Because yeah. talk about talk about like a role that just says, hey, I'm one of your shepherds. This is something that's extremely important. Dare to say even the most important thing that we do on Sundays. So I need your attention. Yeah, it's a very centering know. moment, right? I mean, it's, it is. It's, a, it's, a, it's that anchor point. Um, you know, so so coming into this place where getting the people to understand, not only do you need to hear someone else's voice, they also need to hear your voice. Mm. Um, to hear from their peers and their 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 people, um, a word from God. Yeah, teaching, preaching, all of these things are are so important. Um, but I have to get myself into that mindset where, uh, it's easy for me to look at the growth that we've had and say, ah, this is all about me. Mm. You know, I did this, I did this. These people are here because of me. And that's just simply not true. Simply a part to play in it. True. Sure. I had a part to play in it. Um, did many other people who are around her have a part to play in it? Absolutely. They did. But the guy who really had a part to play in it is going to work through me and he's going to work through the next guy and he's going to work through anybody that steps into my role. Right. Um, because the success of this church is not dependent upon me. Now, while the growth of this church is not dependent upon me, I do have the ability to single-handedly destroy the growth of the church by refusing to allow people um, to find their talents and their gifts and abilities. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be a person who leads people to follow. Um, I want to lead people to lead. 
and it really is about training and leading leaders. And like you said earlier, it starts at a young age. Those youth nights are important, even if they just stand up and read a scripture um, to learn to lead a scripture. However, yeah. you're training your young women to 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 develop those talents and abilities of of understanding who God has created them to be. Um, you know, of, of teaching them those gifts and how to develop those gifts so that when they are called upon years or decades down the road, um, those things are already honed and they're developed and they're ready. Yeah. Um, and so it really does start with just a very intentional mindset. I've been preaching a series on elders and deacons over the last several weeks. And the way I've been preaching it is saying, look, this is who we are all to be as God's people. And you said it earlier, if we are all living in this way, when it comes time to call leaders out from among us, we're going to look over the crowd and go, we can't appoint everybody. So who are we going to choose to make this difficult decision? Not because there's no one to choose from, but because we have everyone to choose from. And then those people who are, are following are following from a position of and when they go out into the world, they're leaders and they're leading people to Christ because yeah. that's who we've developed from a very, very young age. That's what's happened. Um, and we have to be able to do that. Yeah. And we have to have the humility and the courage and who God is um, to be able to do that. So um, I just think it comes to giving our church the freedom to do what I do um, and and to explore that uh, the, the depth of who God calls us to be. Well, and it, ha it also has to like in order to get to this place, like we have to we have to talk about it, right? We have to be right. willing to yeah. talk about it. We have to be willing to talk about like what are we going to do when this person's gone? What are we going to do? You know, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things, and so like. The first step for me, so if, if you're one of our viewers, and this might be our behind the beers moments to talk about, if you're one of our viewers and you're like, okay, guys, this is a great episode. Aaron, you're looking really awesome. Your beard is on point today. These are the thoughts that you have. Um, how do I how do I get to that point? How do I change my mindset, my idea of, of preparing and leading others to it? Well, I think the first one is is really just thinking about it. Um, and knowing about it, like, do you are you at a church and you find yourself going, we're out of song leaders, like we ha used to have like fifteen and now we only have a six. What happened? Did you stop teaching people how to lead songs? You know, well, you mean people just don't naturally know how to lead? No, they don't. Um, you know, uh, you know. So we have to pour into and and, but the first step. I'm sorry. The first step that I want to say is to acknowledge that there's a need and mm -hmm. there might not be a need right now but there's going to be one down the future right second step is is talking about it with other people you don't have to say hey i want you to come learn to do this to take over for me just say hey i think it'd be cool if you could shadow me while i do this um you know i um one of my biggest there's in my office i have a picture uh, of me and this guy named Scott Mitchell. And I, he used to like put me in his little car and we would drive 
early in the morning on Sunday morning, go to some small little podunk church, and he would give me 10 minutes, 10 minutes of the sermon time. And he stopped inviting me when I continued to take more than 10 minutes <laughs> of his sermon time. When I was like at 20, 25 minutes. I think one time I preached a full sermon uh, and he was like, well, uh, there's no time for me to preach. Uh, but, uh, uh, but thanks Aaron's for that sermon. That was, that was an excellent sermon, you know? And I think that was like my last time I got to go with him. Cause he was like, okay, you're ready. Um, uh, but he, he mentored me and taught me like how to preach. He talked about my sermon on the way home. Uh, talked about my sermon on the way there. What was I going to say? What was I going to do? Um, and, but he mentored me to kind of do that. Um, I don't know that he ever like imagined that I would go off to school and I would become a youth minister uh, who occasionally preaches. But I don't have a fear of public speaking because I've been doing it for uh, you know a young age. And he would do that with a whole bunch of people. So I saw that he then took started taking this other teenager younger than me, Ethan Bradshaw. And what happens when I come back from college and even now? Well, I see a young adult who is plugged into doing youth ministry. He doesn't do it full time, but he is willing and wanting to serve in the church because somebody poured into him those ideas. And so, uh, like, that's what we need to be doing. We need to be doing that. And we need to be doing that with everything. Um, elders, hey, I'm going to go pray with this person. I wonder if this other person can go with me. They're not a deacon. They're not an elder, but I'm going to take you and go pray with this other person. Um, right. you know, and pouring into and involving other people instead of just doing things ourselves. And it's more like just being aware, just being aware and being mindful and pre-planning. So you got something? I'm going to gonna... share this. Uh... Oh, there it is. This is uh, from David Kinneman. And it needs to be a little more central on my desk. So I think of it more often. Um, and... It says we need new architects to design interconnected approaches to faith transference. Um, we need new ecosystems of spiritual and vocational apprenticeship that can support deeper relationships and more vibrant faith for They recognize generational shifts from left brain skills like logic analysis and structure to the right brain attributes of creativity, synthesis, and empathy. We need to renew our catechisms and confirmations not because we need new theology, but because our current forms too rarely produce young people of deep. Think our assumptions, and we need the creativity, honest, and vitality of the next generation to help us. Yeah. Um, and I think that just really sums up. Um, and, you know, we can get thrown off by languages like catechisms and confirmations, but ultimately that's just the way that we think and the way that we transfer our habits and our, and our theology to the next generation. Yeah. Um, and if we aren't preparing that next generation for what is to come, and that's not just young people to, to older people, that's just the next generation of, of leaders in the church. And mm -hmm. some of them are 30 and 40 years right, old right now. We still have to be training them and have and not fear um, comes about when we start bringing other people in um, to the role that we play. Absolutely. And honestly, like these are just like some of those, some of those good things, right? Um, these are just some of those good things. Uh, you know, Hey man, guys, I am so thankful that you guys were here today. And if you're listening to this later on, we're glad that you are downloading and listening to our podcast. Um, 
We want to remind you of something. Galatians 6, 9. Do not grow weary in doing good. This is one of those good things that that we're talking about. Like this is a good thing is pouring into others and leading them uh, to leadership. Uh, even in the smallest capacity there is. This world is messy. This life is messy. So allow Christ to use you and do something different. Something good in his name. Uh, I'm Aaron. That's Josh. And we'll see you next week on Behind the Beards. Till we're all growing a beard A man's face should never be bare We just want some facial hair We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for a beard